And the church said, thought I was scolding you, didn't you? You know, silence is difficult for a lot of people. Silence is sometimes even difficult when it comes to our relationship with God. A lot of times when we hear, it's usually coming from a parent or a grandparent to a child or grandchild, which means you better be quiet or else, right? I wonder though, Do we ever hear that from God? Through all the noise and through all the hustle and bustle that we go through in life, do we ever hear God just say, shh, just be still. Just be still and know who I am. Sometimes we, well not sometimes, but a lot of times, We just go from here to there and everywhere else, and we're just all over the map. And very seldom do we just take that time to just be still and hear from God. As you approach God, I wonder about this question. Instead of what are you going to say to him, Next time you approach God, look at it this way. If I just and be quiet, when I approach God, I wonder what he may be saying to me. Now, silence and stillness, those are spiritual disciplines. Those are spiritual habits that we're going to be looking at over the coming weeks as we look at spiritual disciplines, and so we're going to save that. But those are two habits and two disciplines that are very, very, very difficult for many people. But they are disciplines that will encourage us to grow closer to the one who created us if we will learn how to put them into practice. And so, in your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk chapter 3. And as you're turning there, I want you to realize this. Silence with God and being silent before God is two different things. Habakkuk has cried out to God about how evil the Jewish people were being. And to Habakkuk's point of view... God, you're not listening. God, you don't even care because I can't even see that you're doing anything about it. And so when God did respond to Habakkuk's first complaint, Habakkuk quickly began his second complaint because he really wasn't listening in the first place and Habakkuk was already working on his next response while God was trying to talk to him. And through all of that, I pray that one of the things that you have seen about Habakkuk and about his life is this. When you look at Habakkuk right now, he is broken, he is hurt, he is very much disturbed by what he sees going on among God's people. 
He looks out and he sees how mean people can be. Church, let's face it. We can be really mean sometimes, can't we? Can't we, church? We can really sometimes say things and do things that goes totally against the will of God. And we're just flat out being mean. And when we do that, we're not being Christ-like at all. And Habakkuk looks around and he sees violence, he sees mean people, he sees cruel people with little fear of God, little fear and respect of each other. He sees bitterness and conflict and strife all around him. From within and from without. And all he knows to do is to complain. And he does a pretty good job at that. You see, Habakkuk had assumed that he knew what God was going to say, and so he began working on his next words. And once God takes a breath, Habakkuk decides to speak again. And after God's second response, Habakkuk's actions are just totally different. And finally, we come to the third chapter this morning And what we begin to see is this, Habakkuk begins to worship God. I want to stop and say this, worship is far more than what we do on Sunday mornings. Worship is a way of life. But a lot of times what we do is we come into this room and we are spoiled and we expect a nice bulletin with all the news and notes of what's going to happen this week. And inside the cover, you see worship. And you see where we have conveniently told you what's coming, what's going to be next. Now, I'm not saying anything is wrong with that in and of itself. But a lot of times we narrow down worship to what's right here. We're going to have two songs and then we're going to have a prayer because by George, if we have three songs and a prayer, oh my goodness, we're going to have to talk about that, right? Because that's not right. And then we're going to have communion first because if we ever move it after the sermon, I mean, we've had churches split over that. We've had churches split over things to do with worship that really has nothing to do with worship. I love to listen to acapella music. And one of my favorite people with acapella music is Keith Lancaster. And I saw on his blog this week where he wrote these words and he said, when I hear the phrase worship wars that continue to go on in our brotherhood, he said, I just cringe. And he said, I have tears in my eyes When I think about that, because that is not what worship is all about. That is what we, as humans, have made worship about. But it has nothing to do with it. Worship is a way of life. If you look over in Paul's writings in Romans chapter 12, here's what Paul says about worship. He says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. And he goes on to say, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you'll be able 
to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. To be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As we go through Habakkuk chapter 3, one of the things that you're going to see is God is finally getting through to Habakkuk because Habakkuk is finally listening and he's finally hearing what God is saying. And he's saying, Habakkuk, through all this noise, through all the things that you look around and see, a lot of it's out of your control, okay? A lot of this, I'm working behind the scenes. I promise you, I'm working all of this. And even though you don't agree that I'm going to rise up and use the Babylonians, I'm going to show you that I can use what you think is wicked and I can turn something into good and glorious and beautiful. And Habakkuk, the first two chapters, it's like he can't even worship because he can't get all of those things out of his mind. And finally in chapter 3, Habakkuk changes. And here's what caused him to change and to react in a totally different way. The answer is found here in our text, and it has to do with being silent and being still. Being silent and being still. I don't know if you realize this, but God answers every prayer in one of three ways. Yes, no, and then the third one, we really don't like this one at all, wait. We don't like to wait, do we? We don't like to wait in line. We don't like to wait at the store. We don't like to wait anywhere. We really don't like to wait on God. I mean, we've been waiting on sunshine for how long now? I knew that would get your attention for many weeks. Come July and August, we're going to pray that that rain comes back, right? But right now, we want sunshine. We need sunshine. But what is it right now in your prayer life as you bow before the Father? What is it that God may be saying to your heart this morning, here's what I need you to wait on. Here's where I need you to wait. Because instead of giving you the answer to the prayer right now, maybe he's wanting us to wait. Not to drive us crazy or to you know, to stir us up, but maybe he's wanting us to wait to grow and to persevere and to have a stronger faith that says, you know, I'm not always going to get my way, especially before Almighty God. And so maybe as I go before God right now with this request or this need, maybe God is telling me to wait because of this what is that for you now I know there's other times when you pray and I mean you want the answer before you say amen right the church there are two parts of prayer or there's many parts of prayer but one part of prayer is us speaking to God another part of prayer is just us shutting our mouth and listening before God what he may be trying to say to us one of the favorite things that I love to do in Scripture, I love to read the prayers of the Bible. Because as I read those, I like to see the depth 
and the heart of the matter of what's really being prayed about. This morning, we have sung a lot of prayer songs, and we have lifted those prayers to God. But it's also God speaking to us through prayer, trying to get us maybe to just be still and realize who he is. While we wait for God to work, here's what we find. God has really been working all along. It's just sometimes we're so impatient and sometimes we just don't know how to react to it that we just are expecting an answer like that. That's not always going to be the case, especially in our relationship with God. And so what we have to learn is this. God's people must learn joy in waiting. And as we wait and as we have that joyful spirit, we develop a spirit of expectation of a release, notice this, of a release of God's word and his work that wants to come alive right here in my heart. You see, reading scriptures more than just reading words, it's reading holy words that we are praying will come off of that page and come to live right here in our heart. And as we receive that in our heart, we continue to wait joyfully and expect God to do mighty things Because here's the deal. God is still alive and he's still at work in the world around us. In Habakkuk's time, Habakkuk is doubting and he's questioning, God, where are you in all of this? And all along, God's trying to say, I'm right here in front of you. I'm right here all around you. And I'm working just as fast as I can. But the problem is you won't be still and you won't shut your mouth long enough to listen and to see what I'm doing. And so listen to this prayer. And I want to start in Habakkuk 2, verse 20. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shigianoth. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. And in wrath, remember mercy. God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and he shook the earth. He looked and he made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled. And the age-old hills collapsed. But he marches on forever. That's a good place to underline. I saw the tents of Cushan in distress. The dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses and your chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. 
The mountains saw you and torrents of water swept by. The deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. And in wrath you strode through the earth, and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot, and with his own spear you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters, I heard, and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones, and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. And though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on to the heights. Now that Habakkuk has his answer, it's time for prayer. And not only that, It's time to sing. You see, that word Shigianoth is a bit of a mystery. It's the name of a tune. We know, by way, how this chapter ends, that these are words that are set to music. And so, this is both a prayer and a song. And a lot of times, the two often go together. Again, many of the songs that we sing from our hymnals are songs of prayer. Some are songs of praise. Some songs we sing to each other. Some songs we sing to God. Now, they all go to God. We know that. But some songs are meant to sing to one another in the body of Christ. Other times, they are meant to be a prayer that we lift up to God. And so this is what Habakkuk does in Habakkuk chapter 3. It's a prayer and a song. You see, Shigianoth was a song of triumph based on ignorance. Now let me explain what that means. It, it goes like this. I don't understand, but I will praise anyway. And when you look at the meaning of that, it really makes sense in Habakkuk's day, doesn't it? Because Habakkuk looks around and he's saying, I don't understand any of this, God. I don't understand how you can work this and I don't understand how these people can do this to you. I don't understand any of it. God, how long, how long do I have to keep putting up with this? That's his first complaint back in chapter 1. And so as he continues to go down that road, what we finally begin to realize is, when it comes to Shigianoth, it simply means, I don't understand, but I'm going to praise anyway. Now, you think about that for our own life. Are there a lot of times in our relationship with God where we just say, I don't understand, God. I don't get this. Yes, there are a lot of times. 
And so the challenge that we face is this. Let's be able to say, I don't understand, but I'm going to praise you anyway. I may not agree with it, but I'm going to praise you anyway, God. It may not be what I want, God. It may not suit my fancy. It's not about suiting our fancy, church. It's about meeting the needs of Almighty God. That's what it's about. When will we ever learn that message? That it's not about us, but it's about coming before God with a broken and humble and contrite heart and worshiping the one who created us. It's as if God sang Habakkuk, you need to wake up and you need to get this. Because while you're looking around and while you're complaining and while you're saying this and that and all the other things, I'm still at work. My work is still going on and I need you to be a part of it. You realize Habakkuk did this. When we complain, we just stop working for God. And when we complain, guess who's having a heyday with that? Satan. Wake up. Wake up, church. Wake up, Habakkuk. Wake up. And you put your name there this morning. And quit trying to control everything else that you don't have control over and let God be God. And that means a lot of times I need to be still and I need to be quiet and I need to look at what God is doing. And do you see what he does? As the heart grows humble, here's what we learn from Habakkuk, the mind grows wise. Again, what's worship about? The transforming of our minds when our mind and our heart are in the right place we can't help but fall on our face and worship but when the heart's not there mind's sure not there the mind's everywhere else but where it needs to be and Habakkuk finally learns God's really patient with me Is he patient with you and I? Yes. All the live long day, he's patient with us. And Habakkuk finally learns that when we think we deserve to be heard, we discover that God really doesn't owe us any answer at all, does he? He doesn't. When we think that we're better or more faithful than others, God shows us himself and he humbles us because we can never compare to him. And that's why over and over in scripture, he calls us, you be holy as I'm holy. You walk in holiness as I have showed you. So Habakkuk does something that we need to do. He stands back 
to get a right perspective. And when he stands back and looks at all that's going on, and even though he doesn't agree with it, do you see what he finally says in chapter 3? Keep your works going. Keep working, God. I'm finally getting on to this now. Keep working. Even though I may not agree with how you're going to use the Babylonians, maybe it's not for me to have a say in that. Maybe it's just for me to follow your ways and your will. And so maybe what you and I need to do is just stand back and gain a proper perspective, not only of who God is, but who we are. Because when we look at who we are in light of an awesome God, we realize we're weak, we're a sinner, and we stand in need of a loving God and a loving Savior. And we stand in need of that every day. And so look at verse 16 again. I heard and my heart pounded. I love that. My lips quivered at the sound. And then verse 17, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines and no olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will Rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. As Christians, we need to rejoice and be joyful a whole lot more than what we are. We have so much to be thankful for. Right? We don't have any time to complain any longer, do we? I dare you this week. This is a challenge to me too. I'm not going to dare you to do something that I won't. I challenge you this week, stop complaining and start encouraging people a whole lot more. And if and when, and you probably will, complain. See, I'm complaining right now. When you complain, stop right then and there and ask God, remove this from me because I don't want to be a part of it. So if you ask him to remove something, you need to ask him to fill you with something. Fill my heart with more joy. Don't complain. Encourage somebody. So how do we apply something that was written over 2,000 years ago? How do we apply that to today? Two things. Wait on God when you don't understand them. Number two, have confidence in God. Now that's a loaded statement right there. Have confidence in God, for he knows what's best. So as you wait, you're praying by faith that you can have the confidence to grow closer to him in your relationship with him. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 Paul kind of sums it all up. It all comes together. 
we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. And so as we do every Sunday, we're going to stand and Kyle's going to come lead us in a song. There's a place of quiet rest. Where? Near to the heart of God. And every Sunday, most of you stay right where you are. And I'm fine with that. Because I trust that as you stand right where you are, I trust that you are responding to God in your own way. I do. And I trust that you will. Sometimes people say, man, doesn't it just hurt you that people don't respond to your sermons? No, no, no. People respond to God. And people respond up here or in their heart, privately or publicly, however they need to. That's between them and God. But all through Scripture, especially in the Psalms, one of the things that you see is this little word, Selah. S-E-L-A-H. You see that a lot in the Psalms. Well, it's found at the end of our passage this morning. It's found in, de- <clears throat> in different parts of Habakkuk 3. It simply means to pause and consider. And so as we stand and as we sing, I want you to pause, but I want you to consider what is it that God may be saying to me from this passage this morning. What response will I give to God? God always demands a response. What response will I give to God in response to these words this morning? Let that be your challenge. And again, what's your homework? Don't complain. Encourage more people. Let's do that this morning. And if there's anything we can do for you, we ask that you come right now as we stand and as we sing. Mm -hmm.